Hey, readers, book reviewers, podcasters, librarians, booksellers, and lovers of great scary books. Buzz Book Expo 2020 is just around the corner. Buzz Book Expo is a live streaming event in which publishers will be announcing all of the great new horror fiction releases they have to offer through the coming year. There will be interviews, Q&As, presentations, book cover reveals, and more from all of your favorite horror publishers and all for free. Spend two days immersed in exciting book talk from publishers and authors alike. The event will take place on August 22nd through 23rd. All information, including links to the expo, can be found at marysangi, that's S-A-N-G-I, dot wordpress.com slash buzz dash book dash expo dash 2020. We hope to see you there. Welcome to Deadhead Space. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other major platforms. My name is Brennan LaFaro. I am here with my co-host, Patrick R. McDonough. Hello. And today we are joined by Laurel Hightower. How's it going? I had my mic muted. That's <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, Laurel. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. You've been here. This will be your second time. So I think that uh, we can skip the base question of what got you into horror and uh, go with one that I know that you talk about often and I'm curious to hear. Uh, So take this however you want. Being a parent, having a full time, writing as often as you can. All three of us uh, know a lot of newer writers that are also parents. They're trying to find their voice as a writer, trying to figure out how to be a parent at the same time. Uh, what advice do you think that would be best for them to uh, hear from someone that's clearly doing it well? <laughs> I don't know how well I'm doing it some days, but, <laughs> but I appreciate that. Um, I man, I feel like there's I feel like there's a lot of advice, and I think it's I think it's one of those things that you sort of like pepper it out, and 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 you know if it makes sense to somebody, they pick it up because you know the other thing that I've learned. Uh, is that there aren't really any universal truths for anybody. You know, I can give advice on on writing and it can work really well for one person and not for another. But on on a broader scale, I mean, I'd say, first of all, give yourself a break. Please don't beat yourself up if you go a week or a month or two months without getting a chance to write because we're all in hell. You know, it's insanity. And stress, any kind of stress takes up headspace. And as good as it is to get to that writing, sometimes, you know how it is, like some days that writing is your escape, it's your haven, and other days, you just don't have the energy. So you are still a writer every day, even if you haven't picked it up in a year, it will be there. So, you know, that's one side of the advice. And the other is, if it is what you want to do right this minute, and it's going to make you feel better, and you want to get to it, then just carve out the time for it. Do what you got to do to kind of set things aside and make sure you get your time with your family, but but make that your you time. 
So is that generic enough? Sorry. <laughs> <But> no, that's <laughs> that's pretty great, actually, uh, because I've heard it from, I want to say Gabino Iglesias. I could be wrong, but I feel like at one point he said this. And I've heard it from other uh, seasoned writers where you're, like you said, uh, kind of always writing. You're, it doesn't mean you're physically writing something down, but like we're always drafting a story. Or <laughs> let's be honest, we're we're always drafting like five to twenty stories at once. <laughs> yeah, yes, we are. But you know, the other thing is too. I I there were two straight years where I didn't write. I don't think a single word in the middle of of writing whispers, and that was at the time uh, my stepson was going through some super fun teenage stuff. And I had a job from hell and it just was completely toxic and I was toxic and I had no headspace for it. And it wouldn't have been a joy for me then. You know, it was just one more thing that I felt uh, guilty about. And so I think it's important, you know, I mean, life just happens and it's important just to not get pulled under by that and not to feel shitty about it and not decide that you're not a writer anymore you know, if you have to take that time and just deal with shit, because because life happens first. That's yeah, that's that's really good advice. Uh, when I started, I just had it in my head where I had a session over it. And over the last five years, my wife has helped me realize, like, you got to uh, compartmentalize it or it's going to overtake your family time or whatever else. So I, I kind of wish I knew that earlier. I think that anyone that's listening that's newer, it's going to help them. So I appreciate that. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Keep, you know, keep with it. And just remember, you're already a writer. If you're writing, you're already a writer and you belong here. And we're glad to have you. Yeah, that's the cool thing about the uh, horror community. Not not to, like, compare it to anything, because I've never, like, per se, joined science fiction community or romance or whatever. I don't know how they are, but I hear that it's more of a family community here i mean i i can i can definitely buy that <laughs> i'm like you i don't ha- i don't have anything to compare it to but you know it's one of these things that I, ha- I it's it's an odd thing um and i think that maybe this is true for a lot of us i don't know about you guys but i was definitely like an oddball in high school and not the uh you know not like the quirky fun kind like the the one that just had no social graces and no no ability to read a room you know or anything so i was very always very like outer circle (laughs) (laughs) and and it feels here like you know I mean when I started I I felt that all over again like oh god I don't know how to do this I don't know how to talk to anybody I don't know how to meet anybody and I just kind of stuck with it and kind of nibbled around the edges and then eventually I kind of found my little space here and that's another thing that I always like to make people I hope that they understand you know when they start it it's like I, I've got like, you know, like 3,800 followers now or something like that. And if you come in and you look at that and you're like, oh, my God, you know, it's like, no, this I mean, it takes time. And also, you you know, it just you'll be there, too. But I was you, you a year ago, you know. Mm. So it's it's just kind of one of those things. I Maybe it's because I, I just I've always had social anxiety, I kind of frankly still do. I see people tweet sometimes when they're kind of new and I can tell that they're feeling that. And I just want to be like, oh, I'm with you. I'm on the social anxiety couch, too. I swear to God. <laughs> I was not. I, I don't know if I could read a room in high school, but uh, I up until sophomore year, played sports. Basketball was my thing. Uh, oh, so you were fine then. You, uh, you, had, you had the sports ball. You were good. 
I don't know. That's the thing. Like, and it's funny. I don't. I'm not saying this because I heard Paul tell Paul Tremblay tell this to you guys, but I think a lot of kids in Massachusetts, especially, wanted to be like Larry Bird when they grew up. That's that was my thing too, and uh, I it wasn't him at all. And um, I I always hung out with athletes, but I wasn't the jock. I wasn't invited to parties. I was like good enough to play with them but i wasn't socially accepted by most of them uh, i got in a fight with one of them that was me a chubby pat versus a, another chubby high schooler trying to fight and it was probably the goofiest shit anyone could have seen <laughs> so needless to say i i loved horror i didn't read then because school uh made me feel like i shouldn't read because i wasn't smart enough uh, but I like to write, and that's besides that in history, that's all I had. But uh, Brennan, what about you? What was there? Oh, whole- I, I was just waiting to jump in there, man. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would definitely I- equate myself more on on Laurel's side, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But I, I mean, like Pat, you say, oh, you know, I wasn't the picture of outgoing, but I mean, I know you pretty well, and you're definitely the type of person you're going to walk into a room and you want to talk to everybody. You know, you want to meet everybody. You want to find out things about everybody. And that's, you know, what got you started on here in the first place is, I just want to talk to everybody. And I'm not like that. Honestly, I don't know what the hell I'm I'm doing here. Um, But (laughs) Laurel, to your point, when I, you know, kind of started ingratiating myself into the horror community, it's just, it's so much easier than I thought it would be. It's, you know, there are people who you read their book and you're like, yeah, this, you know, this person, I may not have heard of them a year ago, but everybody's talking about them. They're an important figure in this community. And, oh my God, they just, you know, responded to a tweet and, you know, they're friendly and they're engaging and they're legitimately, uh, they, they definitely come off as legitimately pleased that I spent, you know, 15 bucks on their book. But, and, and it just, you know, from there, there's a lot of people whose work I really, really enjoy who I, you know, love my dialogue with. And, you know, on here, I, um, really enjoy, you know, I get anxious as hell about starting an episode, but once I get on there, I really enjoy talking to everybody. So as far as your social anxiety, I mean, do you still kind of feel like that starting up an Inkeist podcast after this time? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not consistent across the board in large part, I think, because, you know, I know Rich and Shane so well now, you know, so that's kind of part of it when you have partners with you, like, you know, that it's not totally spotlight on you. And so like, there's, I feel like some of them, you know, like when we had Haley Piper on, I wasn't nervous because she's somebody that I feel like is a friend of mine, you know, and so I was super excited to have her on, but I felt like I knew her. But like before Stephen Graham Jones came on, I was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Why? And Who he is was, he? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he was so it's it's he was totally fun and gracious and wonderful. And so was Paul Tremblay. And, you know, Josh Mailerman always says it's maybe it's just like when you meet your greats, you know, you're just you're that much more afraid. I am anyways. I don't know. But it, but it's also it, <laughs> some of it is just an anxiety level thing. I feel like lately I'm more nervous about things even when I shouldn't be. And I think it's just a level of anxiety with like everything. You know what I mean? For sure. And you know what? Piggybacking on one of your points about the greats. And after the Jonathan Mayberry one, he's like, so you fangirled pretty hard for a little bit. <laughs> 
like it's Jonathan Mayberry. I had to a little bit. <laughs> you had to. What sent you over the edge was asking him to adopt you. <laughs> I said us. Oh, well, oh, well that, that makes, makes it better. It better. <laughs> Double the responsibility. <laughs> I really liked that. I, I, I loved that episode. He just had a lot of really great stuff to say. And, you know, he was another one that was really encouraging, I thought. And also would never have known that he has like my exact same taste in alcohol. So I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> you guys bringing that out. I wanted to talk real quick about Haley Piper, you, Samantha Koyesnik, like uh, maybe it's just me or even Violet Castro, Sonora Taylor, like all, all you guys, I, I wasn't super familiar with y'all even a, a year ago. And then just you guys are everywhere now. Well, and it's, I think that is, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Haley is, a, you know, and S.H. Cooper, too. They are like just yeah, the yeah, yeah. queens of short fiction, just, you know, these, you know, Haley, her ideas are just and I think I asked her about this on the podcast is because it's just every time I read something to her is my jaw just drops. I'm like, how does your brain get from here to there? You know, <laughs> like, what? where do you how do you, you know, do you do you? But her imagination is just so you know, so she does just an amazing job with that. Cooper does too. And, you know, Sonora Taylor as well. I just got done reading Seeing Things and it was like literally the perfect ghost novel to read. Like it was just the most enjoyable thing. It was, it was wonderful. And I think that, you know, they're, I think that they're at the forefront, uh, A, because they're very involved. S.H. Cooper, you know, has just so much stuff she's got going on the podcast and everything like that, that Calling Darkness, you know, she writes all this stuff and, mm-hmm. So I think it's just a matter of like, you know, I think the short fiction helps, too, because it puts you kind of out in the forefront of things. People get a chance to read your your work and they get familiar with you. And, you know, it's a it's a phenomenon, but it's one that makes uh, that makes sense for those girls. They're they're all fantastic. Yeah. And it's really neat that, you know, you can be anywhere. You can be anywhere in the world like we all all three of us talk with like, you know, Alan Baxter, or Andy Cole, as fucked up as the world right now is we are living in a really interesting time. Because before this, we none of us would know each other ever. It yes, and it's one of these things too. Like it, it almost I don't know. I I think I really have reached the level of quarantine where even as introverted as I am, like I just miss people. Yeah. You know. So then it almost makes it like more like a you know I was messaging with Shane the other night and I'm like I'm actually like literally mad that I can't just go over to your porch right now and like <laughs> you know have a have a bourbon with like. Shane and his wife like it, and I think it's just because you know same with Rich and anybody it's just like ugh, I just want to see people <laughs> yeah I get that so can we talk about Whispers in the Dark yeah go right ahead all right so you said it took you nine years I know your boy is like one third of that so you wrote it before way before your son was born and uh did you did you write it after or while he was born at what point did you finish the book uh it Got finished and sent to my agent. Oh, oh gosh. I mean, it's, it was, yeah, it was well before he was born. It, it was, yeah, it was well before he was born because I know like I, I just kind of turned around and started writing again as soon as it was off to the agent. And I think I wrote probably another three manuscripts before I ended up having my son. Mm. And I don't recollect, I think I wrote while I was pregnant. I don't remember any of that now. <laughs> so. That's interesting because it really feels, I mean, I, I guess it's just an intuition thing. It, it felt like a mother wrote it. I don't, I, I think it'd be really 
rare a rare exception for a man to write that story because it just it felt like felt like a mom wrote it. I don't know how else to word it. Oh uh, well, and it could just be you know uh, I had uh, some of my friends' kids that I was pretty close to. There were a couple of boys that I that her husband worked out of town, and so like twice a week I would pick them up from daycare and keep them and. You know, I was so, so maybe it was just that, but but I appreciate you saying that, yeah, because I definitely was not. I, I, I think most of the time I was writing that, I didn't even want kids. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's funny. On the subject of of whispers in the dark, I do not have a question because I've I've pestered you, you know, online and listened to you talk about it at length. But I did want to share something with you. I'll give you a little uh, background on my sister, and I've posted about her before. She's a little younger than I am. And she is a big horror movie fan. And she would tell you that she's, you know, a horror book fan. But that pretty much just amounts to, you know, some Stephen King. So, you know, I will try and recommend books. And my, you know, top book recommends. I like to give out uh, A Head Full of Ghosts. I like to give out Bird Box. And I like to give out Whispers in the Dark. So the first thing that she picked up on my recommendation was a head full of ghosts and she hated it. And it hurt my heart because that's <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, just, uh, it's such a, it's such a fucking book, you know, um, it really is. Yeah. It's so and, good. And if you, you've read it, you know, I can tell you that she's a big fan of ghost stories and you could probably surmise the reason why she said she didn't like it. But anyways, I earned enough trust back to get her to pick up whispers in the dark and she's a very slow reader, but I kind of like kept track of some of the I would just get these random text messages at different points. And I want I just wanted to share some of them with you because I got I got a kick out of them. So one of the first ones I got one like a week or two ago, it just says fucking Neil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Laurel, Laurel who, who's this Neil based off of? Let, let's have a little talk with this guy. <laughs> Another one I got a little earlier on said, oh, my God, I love Rose. She's a bad bitch. (laughs) She uh, let's see. I'm halfway through it and I absolutely love it. God help you. If it doesn't stick the landing, I'll never buy another book you recommend again. Um, So much pressure. Oh, good. Right. Yeah. So this is why I'm sharing with you at the end. We'll work work towards that. Um, So when she uh, the other one, I'll redact it because you because we don't want to do spoilers. We want to push people to go get Whispers in the Dark. It just says blank just blew blanks face apart. This is very satisfying to me. Um, (laughs) And then that's me too, really. So. Right. Okay. So (laughs) so then she finishes it up. She goes nine out of ten, especially the ending. I said, that sounds like a pretty good score. She said, oh, for non Stephen King, that's that's a that's a perfect score. It's badass yet heartwarming. She said, I can't believe this is this person's first novel. And then she said, uh, let me know if the uh, if the new one is good. And by that, she means let me know if there are ghosts in it. And I said, well, you know, if you get to know Laurel, it's going to have ghosts in it. So. <laughs> or, or does it? <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of work, but I I think I got you a new fan. I, <laughs> I, that yes, and I felt that that feels like like a hard earned fan. Like that's that's much appreciated. Yes, See, that, I, I, that's why I, really, I wanted to share it with you because it, it's you know I I can try and give you the background and say boy is she a pain in the ass. But um, <laughs> how old is she? Twenty nine. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm only curious because I'm wondering where she's coming from. She's older than you, older than us. If she grew up with like, you know, what what phase of king she grew up with? She is. uh, And I won't go deep into this, but she is 29 going on 15. You know, she's (laughs) she's a very sheltered person. And she as far as as king goes she likes the older stuff but she'll she'll read most of it you know i i finally got her to read it like last year and i think it took her the entire year to read it (laughs) she'll watch any crappy horror movie but (laughs) as far as books go forget it (laughs) yeah laura i don't know why but for some reason last like feels feels like the last three four episodes we've talked about it Well, I mean, it comes up, you know, it's just yeah, at least this one is a lot more appropriate. That's true. And I also brought up at, in the Staring in the Abyss episode that you can hear in five months from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're uh, their schedule's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I say that jokingly to Rich. Funny enough, I'm, I'm posting his episode tonight and I called him I called him Rich a bunch. We weren't allowed to say his name out loud because he was under Scott Kemper for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so Brennan had to do the introduction. <laughs> so we have Crossroads coming out on August 10th, and this episode airs before that. Patrick, you want to fill in that blank? <laughs> August 6th. So it's coming out next Thursday. I just so got really the- nervous. Good God. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen the early reviews on this thing, but uh, they look good. You People listening to this on release day will have still have four days to pre-order it from straight from Off Limits or from Amazon or their pre-ordering destination of their choice. First thing, you are going to be Off Limits' first release. Could you tell us just a little bit about how it's been to work with them? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's been it's been great. Samantha and I had a had a talk. Uh, Right. Um, it was actually Crossroads was a little bit short on the word count for her parameters that she put up. So I wasn't going to submit, but she kind of touched base because she knew I had something. And she's like, well, you know, if if you, you know, why don't you just send me the first 30 pages or whatever? And I did. And, and so we went back and forth on that. And when we talked, it was just like we had such similar goals, you know, for what we wanted done with the book. And she just, you know, how Ken obviously is is somebody who just like kind of has applied like an out an outside knowledge to this business yeah you know and and made it very you know and and that's what Samantha has done she knew off the top that she wanted to do you know commissioned covers she wanted to make sure she did the physical uh, arcs and you know really just do a lot of groundwork on publicity because you know obviously we all know that that like the the big markets the big 5 whatever that's fine that's a whole separate deal but even in the indie world, you can you can really propel a launch or you can torpedo it. And she, you know, when we talked, we just had very similar goals about it, how we wanted to go about it. And, you know, we work together with it. I'm somebody who likes to hustle, too. So, you know, we're both just kind of hustling on both sides. And, you know, it's I, I, I know I keep saying I keep gushing about it, but like she really has just been just absolutely wonderful to work with. You know, we're she's very communicative and we're you know, she. The other thing is, you know, she's a filmmaker and she has just a a really great eye for stuff. And I do not I do not have the ability to like visualize something 
in that fashion. So like, she'll be like, well, I don't know. I think this, and I'm like, I'm going to just go with whatever you say, because, because <laughs> <laughs> I can't even picture it, you know, like I, I have to see it, uh, before I can, you know, and, and I just, I mean, going with the cover, I, I just, I'm in love with that cover, you know, just completely. So I feel like I've gone off on a tangent here, but yes, to sum up, uh, <laughs> working with off limits has been fantastic. And I, I think that, that they're going to go really far. Tangents no, are I, good. I, yeah, I wanted the tangent answer. I would have been very disappointed if you just said, yeah, it's pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, tangents make us uh, aware more. It leads to for, you know, it's funny. I'm not even exaggerating pretty much or every guest that said uh, they apologize for long tangents. Me and Brennan are like, whoa, no, this is awesome. Because if you have short answers, it's hard to work off of that. It feels like we're just touching both points if it's short answers. It's, you know. So it's please, a, it's a shorter episode, I guess, but but yeah, it's like a PowerPoint presentation. So <laughs> about Sam, she is one of the most interesting people because not maybe not even a year ago, if it was a year ago, it wasn't far past that. I saw her, I saw CV Hunt uh, release her cover on Twitter of true crime, and instantly caught my attention, like it did with pretty much everyone I talked to. That was her first book, and now she's running a press that is releasing you, and then Haley Piper. How does that feel? Because it's like you and Sam get along really well. You said it yourself that you and Haley are friends. Does it kind of feel like a like a family press? It I mean, it really does, you know, because and this is something that's new to me uh, because, you know, when I was published through journals and I didn't know anybody, you know, and now I know Sarah Reed and and, you know, she her Bone Weaver's Orchard book came out a little while after Whispers from Journal Stone. So it's like, that's, kind of, you know, it's a cool connection to feel like you're a pub family with somebody, you know, and this is, this is really good. It's like when I saw that Haley was the next title, I just, I was so thrilled because it's like, you know, oh good, you're my pub sister now, you know, and, and it, it really does feel that way. And I mean, it's yeah. cool because, you know, she asked me some questions about how to proceed on this and that. And it's just like, I, I don't know. It, it is. I mean, that's a good question because that is how it feels. It really is. It comes off that way as someone looking in. It, it just looks like as a as a writer, that's a place that I'm like, yeah, I want to try to finish this manuscript so I can submit it in November. Which, by the way, anyone that's listening, they have a open submission November 15th to November 30th, 2020. I, I think it's like 35,000 words to 90,000 words. I think so. Yeah. Which is I mean, that's a that's a good range right there. Yeah, and the thing that I love about it is Sam's been very, um, and you told me this yourself too when I asked for your advice, is Sam is very focused on character-driven stories, which uh, I certainly appreciate. I see it in true crime. I certainly saw it in Crossroads. I would expect to see it in Haley's book. And the announcement that came out today about the third book is going to be a historic uh, horror. That's exciting. That's very exciting. And yeah, I actually, I, you know, I don't get any kind of <laughs> insider information on that. So when I see an announcement, you know, that's, that's so when I saw that, I was like, Ooh, okay. Who's coming next? You know, <laughs> how does it feel to be the first that has been published? Because this, it feels like it's gonna, it feels like awful press is here to stay for the long haul. That is, yeah, that's also my impression. And it's one of those things where it, uh, someone asked me, you know, if I felt nervous about that and I realized that I hadn't like at all, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really a question in my mind because I feel like 
I've been around long enough to kind of have an eye for what's maybe not going to work for me and what I really am looking for, Mm -hmm. you know? And so just in our conversation, it was just like, you know, we were, we were looking for the same things and I can tell, you know, again, like, like just, it's like with Ken McKinley, like he's somebody that I would trust to be like, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. He's going to pay his writers before he pays his mortgage, you know, and, and he's into the publicity and that's how Sam is too. And she's got connections on her side of it from the filmmaking side. And so it's just one of those things. It's like, we have this, the mutual goals and, you know, we're just, it, yeah, it's, it's really good. And I feel, I feel like I'm in a really good position being the first because, you know, there was a lot of excitement about Off Limits Press simply because it's Sam. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, myself included, were, were just excited to support her press. And that yeah. is also true on the filmmaking side of things. Everybody is very excited to support her. So, yeah, I mean, she's just, she's well positioned and she, she really knows what she's doing. So I'm, I'm I feel very, very fortunate. Yeah. Did you battle yourself with uh, self-doubt at any point with uh, definitely with, I think, your first book? But with Crossroads, did you deal with that? Not really with Crossroads in the sense of like me wondering, I don't know how to put this without making it sound cocky because it's not like I wrote it and I was like, that's it. It's a masterpiece. Fuck it. I'm famous. You know, it's, it wasn't that, but it, it was something that no matter how many times and, you know, leading up to publication, you have, you have to reread your manuscript like 400 times, you know, as you're, as you're doing edits and then you go through with copy edits and then you go through to make sure with the formatting and all that kind of thing. So I've read through it a whole lot and it's the only thing that I've ever written that I never hated. And, you know, I, even when I was drafting and, you know, just kind of in the throes of it, it was something that came very easily. The words came very easily and I didn't have to wrestle with the plot a lot. And when I finished it, it felt right. You know, like I didn't have to decide where things were going to go because it was just right. So it's, that's an interesting, uh, that is not something that ever happened to me before. It probably won't happen again. <laughs> but so in the sense that, you know, I didn't doubt the book from that standpoint, but I didn't know whether anybody was going to like it. And I didn't know whether anybody was going to want to read it when, you know, if they were somebody that liked Whispers, because that that was something that I felt apprehensive about. It's a total 180 from Whispers in the Dark. You know, it's just it's not the same kind of thing at all. Uh, and I I've sort of felt like, you know, if, if people are wanting action and, and that sort of thing, that's, you know, it's not here. So, yeah, if I had any apprehension, it's that. And, you know, when you when you're sending your, your book out into the world, you you know that that it's not going to be for everybody. But I think that's that's something. And, you know, Josh Mailerman talked about that, too. Like when once you put your second book out, there's not as much pressure on yourself because you're like, well, it's not the only one, mm. you know, mm-hmm. no, that's I loved his. Yeah, I loved his point on that, that whole um, that you don't have to put everything into your first book, although it might feel like that. And then, of course, you know, even if you do, once you hit the second one, that pressure is off. Laurel, your history of not wanting to write anything under 300 pages is well documented. <laughs> so for this one, what was kind of the did you did you start it intending to write something shorter or did you just find that the story fit into that length? I knew that it was going to be shorter. And this is this is something that's been interesting, too, because, of course, you know, I've I've said a number of times I, I really for a long time didn't feel like I could write short fiction, you know, certainly not short stories. Just recently, it's sort of as I've tried my hand on it, it's gotten to be something that I've gotten better at judging when I'm assessing a story idea. What is this going to be? What's the overall length going to be? 
And with this, I could very much tell, you know, this is going to be a novella. And it's actually like my very first page of notes where I just first started brainstorming on it. It says works best as short story or novella. You know, I I actually didn't know it was going to get quite as long as it did. But a little bit of subplots with her, her personal life came into it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things I, I do sometimes, I do find it hard to, to write below 300 pages, but this was really, really enjoyable and it felt very linear, the process of it. And then of course, there's the fact that it didn't take me nine years to write or another, you know, two or three to publish. So that's pretty rewarding. That's definitely a bonus. Most people have probably seen, you know, what the synopsis is, but I'm going to ask you to give it to us because I just, I don't feel like I can give it without, you know, throwing, accidentally throwing a spoiler in there. So have at it. Okay. I'm going to try not to either. And I'm also going to try not to do a thing like, well, okay, so there's this thing. Oh, wait, go back and do this. Wait, this is why actually, this is another thing. Sam wrote the back cover copy and like, that's a massive benefit because I'm so bad at that. So I already got off topic, but <laughs> no, that's, that's like a singular reason to stick with a publisher. Exactly. <laughs> like take I, care I of the back cover copy for you. <laughs> it killed me doing the one for whispers, but I've heard so many authors that just can't, that struggle with that. And I can't do it, but they struggle with the talking about themselves in a bio or the back cover synopsis. The, the back cover synopsis is worse. Because you have to, you have to make it punchy, you know, you have to make it grab you and you have to really condense it and you have to kind of hit all the high points without giving any spoilers. Mm. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but for me, and I won't go into details why, but the way your book at times made my brain fail in the best way I could compliment it was like the first time I watched Saw in the theater. I really can't go on into any more details than that, but there were just particular scenes where I'm still thinking about your book and still thinking about certain parts and thinking of myself in their shoes and who, good God, that gives me chills. <laughs> Even when I was sitting down and, you know, writing out my thoughts on it, like I wanted to start out with the fact that uh, she, she has a drop of blood go into the dirt and I'm like, Ooh, but that's integral to the story. Uh, and then counter to that, I said, but it happens on page one, and I think it does say it on the back. It's, you know, that's that's the difficulty with a novella-length work is everything is crucial. It is. Which is why I'm making it your job to, uh, you know, give us the synopsis. <laughs> Going back to his original point. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So let me try and – well, yeah, so so it's – Crossroads is, is a story of grief, and it's more about the aftermath of grief. It's not – it's not something that happens on stage. It is, uh, Chris is a, is a mother and she lost her adult son a couple of years previously. And she has basically just been kind of, she kind of crafted an existence, not, not as much of a life as an existence. And she's just been kind of limping along with that. And then she gets an unexpected chance. She cuts herself, uh, some blood leaks into the ground at her son's roadside cross. And that night she sees Trey. But, you know, there's not everything is as it seems. So she's not sure, you know, exactly what's going on. And it, you know, the stakes get really high as far as, you know, the question for her becomes, how do I make this continue? Um, so it's just kind of exploring. It sounds uh, 
you know, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's, it, ex, it, it, ex, it's exploring how far, you know, you would go for your child or for somebody that you loved to see him again. It's a balancing act with it. One being a ghost story, because how do you write a new twist, which I feel you achieved Two, how do I show just enough? And you, you, this pairs so well, I made it comparison. I think you saw it too. Andy Cole's Remains, which I oh, read. Oh, yeah, I love Remains. I just yeah. love that. Yeah. So they're both, the in my mind, my mind goes straight to The Shining, those two little creepy twins. I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing Hightower and Cole just holding hands with their books and their free hands. <laughs> Come read us. Like, they are both short. They're both just, I'm, God, I'm going to think of those books for years to come. Uh, It was probably almost a year or so that I've read Remains. Uh, It still creeps me out. The way you guys describe things, his was more poetic. Yours was more, hmm, I don't know what the right word. His language is more poetic, and I don't mean to say that in any negative way towards you, but you're you had a different kind of approach to it that just really just sunk into your spirit and was like, let's fuck with you some more. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I I appreciate the the pairing because that's that is that's just one of my favorite books that I've come across. Um, you know, since I got into the horror community remains was deep grief and just, you know, excruciating terror. Yeah. There, there um, were some scenes in that, that, yeah, that, that stick with me as far as like, I think I was reading one of them in a bathtub and I about threw the book across the room. I was like, fuck, I'm alone. I can't do this. <laughs> I devoured those two books. Brennan can t- attest to this. I'm a slow reader. So by the way, the fact that you said you got to read your own manuscript a few times, uh-oh. <laughs> um, I just got to ask, do you have a favorite ghost book? Because uh, you kind of just said Remains was the recent one. But if you had to pick one, I know it's not easy. Is there one that you would Desert Island ghost story, ghost book? I think it would. I think it would have to be The Haunting of Hill House. Um, hmm. I just have never the the scene, you know, where it's stop squeezing my hands so tight. I'm not. And it ends on that beat. And it's just and sorry if I just spoiled that chapter for anyone. But for fuck's sake, why haven't you read The Haunting of Hill House at this point? But in any case, um, yeah, that was I mean, that that made me jump in my seat when I was reading it. It was, yeah. it, you know, the delivery on that was just amazing. And that that is really I think that's probably what made me want to write ghost stories because I was like, you know, you can, you can jump scare somebody in a horror movie. Um, but to do it in a book is a completely different feat. And that's, you know what, that's a great thing that you pointed out because I couldn't articulate it, but that's what you and Andy did with both your books where you guys, they're, they're quick chapters because of the, it just, every chapter punches, uh, packs a punch. And it, um, it, when you think you've read a creepy thing, you get different perspectives from enough people where it's a full picture. Uh, it's still isolated, but you still, like with Andy's, he talks about a doctor and talks about a neighbor across from the haunted house. And it's just, it, it kind of, it's all first person perspective, but it's, it, it just, you can appreciate it more and it, it just gets creepier the more people that you see it through their eyes. And that's what Crossroads did for me. 
before we branch out to anything else, do you have a favorite ghost movie? Oh, uh, yeah, The Eclipse. The um, the Is Irish. Kind of... Okay. Yeah, oh, not, yeah not, uh, <laughs> not, not Twilight, although if that's your jam, I, I got no beef with it. People should enjoy what they enjoy. But no, not Eclipse, Twilight. Um, you the Eclipse. Heard it, you heard it first here. It's exclusive that Laurel Hightower has a beef with Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a beef with her writing. But in any case, that's fine. That's, I've never read the book, so I don't know. I, I actually haven't either. I just heard that the overuse of the word mercurial alone was enough to throw it across the room. But but you know what? Here's the thing about that, though. I don't the even know what that word means. People, oh, uh change uh some somebody who changes swiftly so mercurial means that you know you're dealing and a lot of times you're talking about it's more of an outward uh description sorry i'm not webster's in any case um (laughs) it's it's uh the i i the one thing i will say about twilight though is like i haven't read it and the people who read it and enjoy it fuck yes that's you know what read what you enjoy and enjoy Mm. the fuck out of it Okay, moving on. Sorry. So Crossroads has a Michael Clark inspiration. It looks like a shot glass. It doesn't look big enough for a cup. Yeah, no, that's a shot glass. And that was definitely a a Michael Clark inspiration. And I even bugged him to be like, okay, where do I get this stuff? Because I'm tired. (laughs) I don't want to research. So, yeah, no, he gave gave me the uh, information, the website to order that from. Yeah. Are those going on sale? No, they're not going to go on sale. What I'm going to do is um, I am planning to do like an online release party. Uh, so that I think is going to be on Sunday, the 9th, the day before. And I'm just going to kind of um, I don't know how that's going to work uh, as far as like maybe it will just be me and Rich and Shane and and a Sterp. Um, Stephanie Briggs is helping me set it up. So the four of us are going to be. Uh, on screen because mm. I force people to come with me so that I'm not by myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go as far as that goes, but like, I'm going to try and give some of those away. And also I'm probably going to, I'm, I'm going to, this is very Southern of me, but I'm going to do like a little Kentucky goodie bag mm. um, and, and give some of those away. So yeah, long, long, long answer to, I'll be giving some of those away. What is in a Kentucky, uh, what is in that? Is there a Kentucky Derby stuff, bourbon? Right, no, help, help us Yankees <laughs> out. <laughs> um, I'm still putting it together, but I think it's probably going to be. So there's a there's a chocolate place here called Old Kentucky Chocolates, mm. and um, <laughs> they <good>. make <laughs> uh, you know bourbon balls are kind of a specialty here. Um, so I'm probably going to send some bourbon balls or bourbon cherries or bourbon truffles and, um, also some Grippo's, uh, barbecue potato chips, because I don't know what's wrong with the rest of you people that you don't have Grippo's, but you need them is. in your life. It's a, it's a barbecue potato chip and it appears to be like, cause if you talk to Matt Redman, he's like the only other person. Well, and well read beard and Brad Proctor. We're all like, fuck yeah. Grippo's also Lillian knows what Grippo's are. So I'm not alone. Is but anyways, Lillian yeah. From the South. I, I don't know where she lives, actually. Um, she's in the closer vicinity. I don't really know. Oh, okay. Um, but but I know she knows what Grippos are. So. You know what? Uh, and this applies to you too, Brennan, because I was going to suggest earlier when we were talking about Stephen King and your sister to suggest Devil's Creek to her. I can't that, wait to hear how this connects to barbecue chips. 
Well, it connect it connects to Kentucky because okay. for no 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 wait no that's not true. I was listening to the Todd Keeslin episode, the re- number twenty or whatever of uh, Todd's appearance, where you guys are talking about uh, he's mentioning Corbin, Kentucky, and I thought. Not for him, probably, but how funny would it be if I just, like, made a video of me down there trying to sell Devil's Creek books to Corbin <laughs> people? <laughs> just some random northerner trying to sell off a local boy's books that pretty much shit on them. I am probably going to, like, because I pass by Corbin, you know, anytime I travel. Uh, I'm just going to start stopping in there and being like, Y'all have any copies of Devil's Creek? <laughs> and just be like, why? No, oh my God, he's famous. He made y'all famous. Also, you look bad. But anyways, I thought you'd have some, hometown boy. No? Okay, well, I'm going. <laughs> I don't ever really hear your accent when uh, you're talking. I don't really have one. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan and I don't seem to have a, a Boston accent. I don't hear one in you, Brennan. Oh, no, you guys both have accents. Would you like me to drop some R's? I can I can drop some R's. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm no. I'd rather not. All right. That was <laughs> that was a completely empty offer. What? <laughs> you son but of I a was bitch. A complete, it was a completely empty offer. Uh, there we go. Nailed it. <laughs> Welcome. W- wicked good. So why don't you lead the way, sir? I've talked enough. Um. So you know, one last thing on Crossroads, or maybe not. Who knows? Um. One thing I love about this book, and it definitely applies to uh, Whispers as well, is that you have this penchant for writing strong women, but you also, you know, it, it wouldn't just boil down to that. Um, in 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 both of your books that I've read, you also kind of highlight good men as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, and yeah, that's something that uh, Kevin Witten. I had mentioned too. That is um, absolutely where I stole it from. <laughs> That's perfectly fair. Credit um, to the beard. <laughs> well, and you, you know call? something. <laughs> the other beard. <laughs> the well red one. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, g- good call. Burn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I'll I'll mute myself. <laughs> Pat will be going by illiterate beard from here on out. <laughs> or slow red beard. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, and I was, I really liked that he pointed that out to me because I, it wasn't something that I, I didn't really set out to write strong women either, if that makes any sense. It was just that, um, I wanted, I wanted characters that were relatable, but flawed, you know, and, and somebody that you could really cheer for. And I, you know, I think I've brought this up before that, that these sort of more melded families are what I identify with more. Um, and so I, you know, I, in order for Rose to have the kind of life that I pictured for her, she had to have, um, she had to have a certain kind of man around her and, and be, you know, not that they, you know, are the only things that made it possible, but the woman that she is, the type of woman that she is, those are the kinds of men that she would be around, that she would choose to be around. I don't know. I wish I had like a, a good answer that that was you know, particularly well planned out. But I will say that uh, I do. And I, I have seen this, you know, kind of criticism of whispers. And I think it's fine. Uh, somebody said that it was like, well, it's like a romance with ghosts. And I'm like, I will accept that. I'm OK with, it, you know, <laughs> something. <laughs> because, that, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. 
Well, no, I was just going to say that that that's actually just I, I'm not saying you have to shoehorn a romance into absolutely everything if it doesn't fit. But I, I do love it. It's one of my favorite parts. So anyways, go ahead. Um, well, it fits well for what you're, it's a good, it's part of the story. It doesn't feel forced, um, to me, I don't know. I don't speak for everyone, but I was going to say, I try to take mental notes as funny as, uh, that one Twitter page where it's like men writing women <laughs> as funny as that is. Cause that's like legit guys write that shit. I don't know who the hell publishes them. I, I assume most of them are self-published, but I'm not knocking self-publishers. I'm just saying anyone could self-publish. So that's I don't know what publisher would publish men talking about women's boobs being snow globes. <laughs> but <laughs> I try to take mental notes of what not to do and what to do right when it's pointed out. Like uh, you, how you wrote you write women well. Um, most women tend to, but something that you wrote in particular was talking about um, how she couldn't, how her jeans were snug, but she still wore them because they're comfortable. And I don't know what this says about me, but I hear that girl because, like, I, I look down, <laughs> I'm like, oh, muffin top, go away. <laughs> but from a guy that legitimately is genuinely concerned about not writing women well, not writing black people or indigenous or LGBTQ, whenever that comes out, because I'm not just writing white straight people. It's vanilla, you know, it's boring. <laughs> um, I try to pay attention to when it's done well. Um, and you, you certainly are someone to uh, take notes from. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I have been giggling over the reception that that's gotten from a guy, from a couple of women, Ellen being one of them. Um, so that was that was fun. But yeah, it's which is who I stole that from, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just calling you all out on your plagiarisms over here. But uh. yeah. I mean, we're <laughs> fake writers. That's why we talk to real writers. Hey, hey, that is not true. Neither one of you are fake writers. <laughs> we covered this at the beginning. Oh, right. right, right. OK, <laughs> Brennan, do you have any more questions about Crossroads? Uh, actually, no, I would just like to sing in a, you know, uh, uh, a schoolyard voice, you got in trouble. Um, (laughs) (laughs) add a quick na, 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 na. Um, (laughs) no, the, the, the other thing I I just want to highlight, cause you, you, uh, Laurel, you touched on it real quick, but I think it's also important as you said, you really, um, like to write, um, Oh gosh, I forgot how you phrased it, but basically a, a different type of family. And that's definitely something that appears throughout your work. You know, the, the whole, the, the trope of the, you know, uh, dickhead ex-husband, like it's played to death. And, you know, if you can write, um, you know, two families that still, you know, that live separately, but still get along and still kind of treat each other like one big family, even though they live in separate houses, and you can make it, you know, work for the plot. Like, I think that's brilliant because mm. how many people are reading that that can relate to that? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's again, it, it was just funny because it wasn't something I specifically set out to do to make a statement. It was just more that, um, you know, I come from blended family all across the board. Uh, my parents are divorced. Um, you know, I'm my husband's second wife. I have a a stepson who's 25 where, um, you know, it's so funny cause he, he just loves my son and he'll take pictures and, and send them to his mom. 
you know, so it's like, it's just, just, we've got this whole, like, you know, she and I aren't like best friends or anything, but we, we just, I mean, your family and when you, especially when you have kids, you're just going to be, and, you know, I have speaking from the standpoint, I've not ever been divorced, so I'm not going to make any kind of a judgmental statement about how anybody should feel. But I do think that, you know, it's, it's just better for everybody if you can just find your way to a different kind of family. Yeah. Well, and you, you said you didn't necessarily set out to do it. It's just your experience. And I think that a lot of people could definitely, um, I don't want to say commiserate, but basically get in touch with that because it is more common than, you know, you is necessarily portrayed in, in books and movies. It's just not as dramatic. So it doesn't, you know, it, it's not, written about quite as as often but it is um the experience of a lot of people yeah and i i you know i really like that because it's like we used to joke um i used to on my stepson's uh christmas presents i would just abbreviate from esm you know evil stepmom uh because we just always thought that that was such a hilarious trope you know if you watch disney (laughs) it's like the step when the stepmom comes on the scene everyone's going to boarding school Parents are getting murdered. Dogs are getting turned into coats. It's a terrible fucking scenario for everyone across the board. So, you know, my stepmom is awesome. And as far as I know, she's never murdered any dogs. So <laughs> that is excellent to hear. Yeah, I, I, I like to I like to put her up on a pedestal for that. <laughs> Complete. It's been X number of days with no dog murders in this household. Well done. Yep, absolutely. So, Laurel, I don't know how much you can talk about this, but I want to know more about the We Are Wolves anthology. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. This is, I think this is going to be fun. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so probably caught just from, you know, from Gemma's tweets and stuff that this, this kind of came about as a result of um, the short story I wrote, the Through Though Your Heart is Breaking which uh, came about actually as a result of a thread on Gemma's uh, something that she tweeted. Um, So, you know, she kind of reached out to me after she read it and she was like, okay, I really like this. And you know what? I'm in a mood, you know, (laughs) like some of the stuff that was going on in the community and, and unfortunately it appears to still be going on. um, You know, it makes, makes you angry. Um, And, uh, it's, it's more of an empowering side of that. You know, this isn't, it was more just something we wanted to do that was like, okay, you know what? We're all, we're powerful female writers and, and we're gonna, we're gonna just put the pen to it. Um, so it's, you know, again, this is quite rambling, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we've got, we've got quite a few writers that we're really excited to be working with signed up. Um, and we're gonna be putting it out through Burial Day Press with Sina Paleo. Uh, and we're aiming for this fall, maybe November, um, for it. So yeah. And, and you've seen Jim is working on the cover and, and it looks fucking amazing. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't want to, uh, cut off your spotlight, but I have the, um, the, what you guys have released as the table of contents so far. And I want to read this out because it, it legitimately looks like, you know, the, the best of like four or five anthologies all condensed into one. <laughs> you know, you you mentioned earlier you were talking about you and Haley and Sonora and V um, and basically, you know, just saying how talented these people are. And uh, you, 
yeah, I mean, the general uh, population of women in horror right now makes it really fucking easy to diversify your reading and, lo- and read a lot of women because it's it's there's just so much good stuff out there and it seems like every single one is on tap for this anthology so there there's going to be stories by laurel uh gemma amore cena paleo uh hayley piper samantha koyesnik sh cooper v castro beverly lee jessica guest mandy McHugh, sonora taylor sarah reed red lego sarah tamplinger sadie hartman eve harms Lillian George, Aaron Almihari, uh, the Sisters of Slaughter, and Cassie Daly. I mean, that's just such a hell of a lineup. Yes, it's exciting. And we've we've got some other folks who um, I think are on board. We just didn't want to, you know, blast their name out until we had a definite on them. Um, and I, I will say that the only thing that like, the only thing that's any kind of a drawback on this is how badly I want to include like at least twice that many writers because it's just one of those things where it's like there is so much out there you know there's so much fucking fantastic talent there's so much amazing um short stories and and folks that maybe haven't written any shorts yet but that would be damn good at it and that's the only thing that's made me like a little bit like i just i want everyone in it (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's kind of a it's a little bit of a a time constraint Gemma and i are going to be doing the um the mainline editing ourselves um, and then bringing in a copy editor to work on it. So it's just kind of like constraints of a lot of those things, but it makes me, it makes us want to go like, should we, you know, should we do volume two? You know, <laughs> like, cause there's just, I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many, so many amazing female writers out there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, yes to, should you do volume two, but actually that leads me into um, another question that I did not steal from another person. I actually wrote myself. <laughs> um, so I, I'm wondering, how did you decide on invites? Cause like you said, it would be very easy to make this thing like oh, we can fit 40 stories in here, right? We can make it 700 pages. <laughs> um, I wish I could say that there was like a, a super, you know, scientific process to it. Mostly we started with knowing that neither of us have the time or energy to, to do like an open submission. Um, and I kind of hate that because I know like when we initially tweeted about it, a number of people were saying, well, I hope you're doing an open call. And I very much wish we could, um, you know, because I think, well, in, in looking at what sci-fi and scary has done with their anthology, I I'm so psyched about that twisted anatomy um, that's going to be fucking amazing. And they were able to do an open call, you know, and, and they're reading through and, and I know that they're going to have some amazing stuff. So I, you know, have some regret that we weren't able to do that, but it's just, we're kind of, we're parents of, of young children, who are, you know, just kind of treading water during this whole thing. Um, so it was more a matter of, you know, we kind of just started listing off in particular, uh, women that we had worked with. Uh, previously or were real familiar with their work. And then basically at some point we just drew a line through it. Um, you know, so this it's, yeah, I mean, it, it was basically just about that. And and I do wish that we could have just included everybody, um, you know, but yeah, hopefully maybe there'll be a volume two and, and we can, we can get everybody on board with it. You should uh, have Ken McKinley uh, do the slush pile <laughs> reading for you guys. <laughs> Seriously, how's he do it? <laughs> I, do I still don't know. 
I told them, I'm like, dude, you gotta burn yourself out. You can't do this. You, you can do talk. It. You guys are doing like three episodes this week. Are you all okay? Uh, no, nah, it's only two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about another anthology. It is one that I'm excited for. Brennan is, he's on the fence about it. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm on the he's, fence about it. He's, <laughs> he's excited about it. Places We Fear to Tread, that cover looks yes. amazing. Yes, yeah. Which is and- by Cameron, I'm sorry if I messed up her name, Ulam, Ulam, U-L-A-M. I'm, you're, I'd be guessing as well. I've only seen it written, so. Mm. Cameron, if you hear this by any chance, my bad for messing it up. Yeah, it's such a cool cover, though. Tell us about that. What What's your story called? What's it about? If you can tell us anything. Um, it's called This Is Home, and I don't know if you read the uh, the submission guideline on it or you know what it's based on, but it's it's basically they wanted stories that were centered around um, haunted places, and they they had a preference for places that a person could actually visit. Um, so I ended up actually just settling on the Lexington cemetery, which is here in my hometown, um, and was easy to go travel to. So, hmm. no, I, 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 I know it's about, I'm actually waiting on my, my rejection slip in August. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks exciting. The table of contents that they have mentioned so far, it's pretty awesome. Uh, that's why I brought your name up earlier. That's why I brought Haley Piper's name up earlier. And uh, I believe Sonora's in this one, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. She yeah. just got her acceptance. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, so, so what's, what, what, what's your song? What what, uh, what um, area did you choose? What haunted spot? It was Virginia. It wasn't haunted until I wrote about it. I didn't. So the place I visited, me and my wife and some friends went to this camping uh, camping ground right near Assateague, or no, Chincoteague, I always mix them up, in Virginia. It's the island with wild horses, and uh, that's why we went. We like camping. And the weirdest thing to me was when we got there, there weren't a lot of people because the week before we went there, there was this, uh, it might be messing up the, the title or whatever, but it was called like the run of the horses where it's a small island. And it, I guess the lady that runs it was saying it was packed literally the week before because all these wild horses swim across this river. And it's a big show and it's a big, like, some, I think, shrimp festival, too. Um, I'm glad we weren't there. I don't like big crowds like you. I get anxiety. And um, when we went, there weren't a whole lot of people. In fact, there was, like, one quote-unquote neighboring uh, couple that was two sites away. And the creepiest thing was there were these big, huge fucking vultures that when you weren't, they wouldn't bother you if you were, you know, alive. But Wait, wait, wait. You got to go back because you broke up big, huge what? Vultures, black oh, vultures. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what it I don't like? know where that was going. Okay, please proceed. <laughs> vultures, got you. Yeah, big birds of prey. So, anyways, uh, there were a lot. There were a lot of them. They sat on the beds of pickup trucks. They were all in trees. I don't know where they went at night. So my head started playing around with that idea, and uh, 
I guess I shouldn't say any more, but I just thought like, hey, so let's make me and uh, let's say I was with someone else. And it just there's cosmic uh, horror in it. And that's about it that I can say without going. And then this happens and, you know, <laughs> doing that whole thing. and uh, I, I had the honor of, of beta reading it. And uh, it, it, it's a really cool story. And if it doesn't end up in uh, the Cemetery Gates anthology, I uh I think it'll end up somewhere. A really cool story. I appreciate it. I, I tried getting into the worst laid plans. I'm not bitching about it at all. Like I want to get published by Sam because or edited by her too. Because like uh, who the hell doesn't like her? You know she's awesome. I want her. I want to work with her. Um, she was one of the first publishers to give me a personal feedback, and she's very encouraging. So I went back and I took her advice. Uh, I made it more lean and I, I don't know if it's got a shot, but <laughs> if, it, if I could share a table of contents with you and Sonora and Haley, I'll be happy. I'll be very happy. If that not, would be I'll, awesome. Yeah. If yeah. not, I'll still read the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I would love to share a table of contents with you. So uh, I'm day. with Brennan. I think it'll, I think it'll definitely happen. Well, you know no what? Maybe maybe with Ken we could just like slip on a few IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, not going to help your case at all. No. <laughs> oh. Kind of a storied history, or did you go all fiction on it? It actually does have a history. I, I this it's so bad, but it's like when I was thinking about what to write for, I texted my sister. I was like, "What's haunted in Kentucky other than Waverly?" And she told me about the Perryville um, battlefield and it sounded great, but I just couldn't, I couldn't come up with anything and I couldn't travel to it. Um, so I just Googled and they were like, Oh, Lexington cemetery. I'm like, seriously, it's a fucking cemetery. Like why would it be any more haunted than anything else? But there's, there's apparently some legends that go along with it. Um, so tiny and I went out uh, to go explore and, it is it is gorgeous. I mean, I've been there before, but it's been a long time. Um, it was incorporated in 1849, and it's 170 acres, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Well, that's a big cemetery. It's huge. You, it is really easy to get lost, especially when you are pushing a stroller and have a two year old who absolutely will not get back in it. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, you know, I can relate to that on one level, not the stroller part. But before I moved out of New England to come down to South Jersey, my wife, um, let me be very clear when I say this so it's not misconstrued. I love Lovecraft as an author. <laughs> I don't think I'd like him as a person. He seems pretty shitty. But uh, I wanted to visit because my wife went to – she lived and went to college in Providence for uh, her bachelor's. And – I was like, you know, like, we got to go to his graveyard, to the cemetery. And she hates cemeteries. But she went with me twice. And it's big. It's – I th- I think you would like it, Laurel. I just feel like you would. I feel like Brennan would. Um, there's a lot of famous writers that have pictures with the Lovecraft grave. But it looks like a, a place where rich people would die. There's just these mausoleums. There's huge <laughs> graves. I don't think that I would be allowed there, uh, dead or alive. I'm not even sure I was allowed there alive, but I got lost. I went there three times in total. I couldn't find Lovecraft's grave. You can't type it in Google because it just brings you to the cemetery. So 
Yeah, that's my story. Sorry, I, just, <laughs> uh, I thought it applied. <laughs> I think it was the one with the tentacles. Oh, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, now I want a mausoleum with tentacles, honestly. And I, I want to know what a place looks like where rich people die. What does that look like? Well, the, everything's just really big. And, There's uh, a lot of cocaine. <laughs> 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 so what's the deal with you and spreadsheets? I got to ask before we, uh, <laughs> before we, whenever this is over, I want to make sure I ask about that. And does it apply to writing at any point? Spreadsheets are fantastic, man. They, they organize your data for you. They can do math for you. Um, you format shit. And also everyone at my job needs them. And so I'm like a, it's like they think I'm a magician when they bring me something and they're frustrated by Excel and I can work it. But, but yes, actually it it totally comes into writing because like I currently am tracking the number of projects that I have going and the deadlines that I have and like interviews that I have to respond to and what my dates are and stuff. So absolutely. Yes. Mm, That's actually kind of helpful. Hmm. I'm really glad that we could fit onto your spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, we got on? Yeah, well, obviously, she's here. <laughs> oh, I, I bugged her a little, so I didn't know if that's why. <laughs> I will always insert another row, guys. Yes. Excel joke. I, I, I didn't even know there were any, and I just made up one. <laughs> wow, no. that's, that's our first Excel joke. You know, round of applause for that one. <laughs> Thank you. I, I know. I know. Ellen will appreciate that if she she doesn't listen to podcasts really, but if she heard that, I think she'd appreciate that joke. Um, now outlines. That is your lesson towards me a few months ago on them were pretty important. Um, I'm not gonna say what your approach is because I don't want to fuck it up. So can you tell us how you feel about outlines and why they are important? Yes. Um. Well, the the reason that they're important to me mostly is because I wrote um, my first god-awful never-see-the-light-of-day novel without one, and it was an absolute clusterfuck. Um, and Whispers in the Dark was written for the first half without one, and uh, it is part of what took me so long to fix it. Um, so for me, I feel like outlines are, are – they're just – if you look at my desk at work or my house, like I am clearly a very disorganized person. Um, (laughs) And it is helpful for me to have something that, that just kind of keeps me honest because otherwise like I just get excited and I'm like, and it goes there. Ooh. And another one here. And then one there. And then it's like, what do they have to, why what's that one doing with that one? And why is it different than this? And so outlines for me just kind of help me keep my story running. They, they help make sure that, everything is leading to the same place and that there's no, you know, logic issues and that, and that I know where I'm going. Um, but I also, uh, kind of have recognized in talking to some other folks about it. Um, I've recognized that, that it's actually, I mean, the way I do things probably just isn't going to work for everybody. Um, so (laughs) kind of retracting all my wisdom at this point, but, uh, but kind of what, uh, what I do a lot of times when I'm, when I'm, creating an outline. And when I'm doing this, I do like a call and answer. Um, I will ask myself questions about it and then, you know, say like, well, why, why does this guy want to go here? Well, here, you know, and then I start spitballing and just kind of come up with maybe a backstory for him or stuff that's related, but it's like, it's making sure that you fill in the holes and that you're addressing things and that nothing is just there to, 
just because the plot dictates that it should be. Hmm. Oh, that I'm sure that'll help plenty of people though, because, uh, with me, when I was struggling with my outline um, for the novel I'm working on, I went to you and you said this for this one character. You said, "Well, what, what's her what's her motivation here? What's her motivation in this section?" And it got me thinking. I'm like, "Hmm, I should probably know that before I go into it." And it helped. It helped me. So I thought that was really great advice. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad that was helpful. And it's, I mean, a lot of it just comes from, you know, having had my work read and being like, well, why would he do this? And me looking blankly, like, I don't know, because I told him to. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's not a great answer. You know? Fuck you. It's my book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great argument, too, for, you know, for beta readers. Now, I don't really know anybody who's opposed to the notion of beta readers, but just on the off chance that somebody's listening to and was like, I don't, I, I don't need that shit. Um, you know, Laurel was kind enough to take a look at something, uh, that, that I wrote and you, you, you did just give me these brilliant, like, well, why, why, you know, what's the motivation here? And you do, as a writer, look at that and be like, I don't fucking know. Um, you know, <laughs> again, because I told them to, or um, they just do, okay? Um, and as a as an author, that's kind of good enough. But as a reader, you know, you want to know that. And it, it just, you know, um, made me take kind of an outside look at it, a different look at it. Um, and I do absolutely appreciate your dedication to organization because I don't have that. Um, <laughs> not only do I not have that, but I don't even have the ability to have it. Um, if I'm, if I'm writing something like the, the closest thing I get to an outline is notes in my phone. And I mean, I'm, I was just, you know, thinking about that and scrolling through it. And like, I have one that it just says worships the key. I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, <laughs> I know, I, I know it definitely ties into something I'm writing right now, but I had a thought and I, I clearly didn't articulate it. So again, I, I envy your, um, your ability to organize. And I feel like that really ties in nicely to the very first question that, um, you were kind enough to answer for us tonight, which was how do you kind of balance it all? Um, and you know, staying organized is definitely one way i look at you know a, a year ago last july last june um i didn't have a twitter i didn't have um people sending me things for review i'd never written a word of fiction and i was you know i was very occupied i had you know two kids and you know two jobs and busy all the time i don't know how the hell i managed to add all this stuff in how i'm you know doing, like you said, three podcasts a week, trying to get a little writing in and, you know, read books that, oh, shit, that comes out in six days and I haven't, you know, opened up page one yet. But uh, and, and and Laurel, you're kind of the same way. You know, you uh, you you went from, you know, uh, you you released your book to and I think I'm quoting you here, Tumbleweeds in December of 2018. <laughs> and then all of a sudden when it picked up some traction in, uh, you know, June, July, August, you hit the ground running and, you know, you, um, were putting out short stories for consideration. You joined the Ink Heist podcast. Uh, you still have a two year old, which is extremely time consuming. Um, and, you know, not to take away from that, you and Pat both have these moments going on that you don't want to miss, miss a thing, uh, to quote Aerosmith. Um, 
Oh, so, that was so my senior year song. Yes. <laughs> was it? <laughs> it totally was. Uh, Sorry, yeah. I, I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's that. That's um. I'm gonna chalk that up to research. I did in fact look that up. But um, uh, if there's a question here, and there's not really, um, so you have shorts coming out with um, uh, the We Are Wolves. You have uh, the Cemetery Gates. Uh, we may have mentioned Midnight at the Pentagram. I forget. Is there anywhere else we can uh, expect to see your work coming up? Well, if you if you missed it uh, over on the Hellbound Heart, um, uh, uh, does the dog die in this uh, podcast? I have a free short story up there. Um, fuck this shit manner. And uh, but other than that, I don't have anything that is slated for publication except that. Uh, early next year, I think I am contributing to, I think it's going to be more of a novelette, um, to a, uh, an anthology that's being put together by Matthew Corley, who is also doing, as you know, uh, he also did whispers in the dark, um, and, uh, <laughs> the fearing, uh, you know, he's, he's working on the, 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 the fearing is that like brimstone, but oh crap. Something in brimstone. Damn it. Blood and brimstone. Thank you. Yes. Why would. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Blood and brimstone. So anyways, yes, he's putting that together. So I'm excited to be part of that. We're going to be talking with uh, him and John Taff in a couple weeks. But how the fuck does Matt do all that shit? He's got two kids, too. I know. He's spreadsheets. It's (laughs) nailed it. That's that's, that's you know that your that your boy Armand is is another spreadsheet fan. Yeah, because of his wife. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I don't whoever know brings if, you to it. I don't know if uh, he would consider me his boy. I like him, and I think he would just put up with me just like he does with every everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I I was supposed to meet him this year. I was supposed to meet you and Brennan at different events, too, this year. I'm, I don't know. 2020 has been a mixed bag of shit and fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm just really, really, really hoping StokerCon works out next year. That was a yeah, that was a punch to the gut. It should have been in uh, two days live. Oh, scarce at care. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. What did, you said? StokerCon. She My said StokerCon. Yeah. 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 That'll be kind of the next thing. Yeah. I had it even popped up on my Outlook calendar at work. It said Laurel off scares the care. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And no, it's not. <laughs> Fuck. It's still working. <laughs> so one quick question before we ask, what are you reading is if tiny becomes big and taller than you, will you always call him tiny? It probably depends on what he will allow. <laughs> if he he's so funny because my my mom has been trying to make this other nickname stick and i hate it um and she said it to him the other day and he goes uh no i'm tiny <laughs> and i was just like i swear i didn't tell him to say that so my thing is if he ever looks at me and says mom i'm not tiny i'm whatever i'll be like okay honey whatever you want to be you know, I had the sneaking suspicion that, you know, you that you would, you know, have that conversation of, no, you're you're going to be you're all you'll always be tiny. Um, I mean, I, I've seen my wife tell uh, my 10 year old that, you know, no, you're not 10. Stop telling me that. You know? <laughs> well, you're not. He, you're a baby. He will always be my baby. And I'll I've got to keep wet, keep up weightlifting so that when he's 30, I can scoop him up, you know, <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, Phil, uh, my little dude's already, he's almost, he's standing up all the time. He's, he crawls so fast, and uh, he's so close to talking, and he's so close to, to walking. And it feels like just the other day my wife was giving birth to him. It's crazy. It really is. But I, I will say that for me, like, it's it's just the older he gets, the better it gets. Like, I, I have always loved him. I've always adored him. And he was an absolutely stinking cute infant. But mm. my God, I would not trade that. I would not go back to that shit. He is adorable. I love the pictures you post on uh, Facebook. <laughs> Thank you. The duck outfit is my particular favorite. <laughs> like, come on. No wonder why your husband wants to show his mom them pictures. <laughs> well, it's the so they at his old daycare, they did like a Halloween parade. And the first year that he was in the parade, I put him in a peacock costume. <laughs> and you could, I mean, I could tell when, when his little cart was rounding the corner because I heard everyone go, <gasps> and then just like bust out laughing because it was just like, he was just this incredibly intricate peacock. And I was like, I didn't know we weren't supposed to go this far with it. Sorry. <laughs> his science projects are going to be like, huh. Did you really do this or was it your mom? Oh, no. Fuck <laughs> science. I just love Halloween, man. Like, <laughs> Another exclusive on Dead Headspace. Laurel Hightower says, fuck science. Well, now, don't be taking that out of context, okay? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a dangerous accusation it to be is. making in, in 2020, man. <laughs> that's How about true. I'm going to cool, say Patrick. Not fuck cool, science sorry. projects. Fuck yes. science projects. Yeah. Oh, I, Although yeah. I bet you could whip up a hell of a solar system. I really don't hope I don't ever have to. <laughs> I'm done with school. <laughs> yeah. So like you were saying with Haley Piper on your show, it was easy. It's really been an hour and a half since we've been talking. It's been really easy talking to you, too. So I just want to ask one last question is uh, what are you currently reading? I thought you were going to go with who is Laurel Hightower. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's one of those questions where, like, Max Booth would reply with something that's so, like, dark, you just don't know how to reply. Oh, you have to read the, uh, you know, uh, I forget what he called it, but the, have... the Max Booth interview. Uh, oh, I, saw... I loved that. Oh, shit. Yeah. That yeah. No, I, that's what I was referencing. Oh, okay. Yep. I don't I know if I totally. just his general speaking because he just kind of always does that. I don't know if I totally fucked up how he replied, but I know however it was. He, he just, like, was basically like, fuck you. This is, I'm not doing this. <laughs> no, I actually thought it was a really good answer. It was, like, a very, like, well-thought-out existential sort of answer, and the guy took it as a fuck you. Okay, you know what? I clearly can't read him. I couldn't read Max when he was on the show. I'm pretty sure I told him that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just to... to, to interject here just while we were talking and he reposted the episode that we had with him and just wrote i was on this podcast answering questions about things which is <laughs> that, that, that's a max that's, answer that's inarguable you know yeah it's true it's, you know he did he did come on a podcast and answer questions about things and he it's had true. this background. We did video with him, and I don't know when the hell all these are going to be posted. They will this year sometime, but his background, I don't know if he did it for a reaction or if it's just because that's Max, but it was a close-up, a, a super close-up of his face, and it, Brendan couldn't take it serious. I couldn't 
couldn't take it serious. <laughs> I think that's kind of his thing, though. It works. Yeah. So it's Laura, very Max what, Boothy. It is. So, Laura, what are you reading? Um. Okay, I am reading uh, Diabolica Britannica. I'm about halfway through that anthology, and that's really, really good. I really like that. Um, I am also reading S.H. Cooper's uh, new one. The is it all that's fair? It oh, is. Yes. yes, I'm. I'm two stories in, and dude, she has the ability to creep me out in like right under ten seconds. Like it's just fucking amazing. Um, yeah, I think so, actually yeah. all not to cut you off, but I think all three of us are reading that and we all kind of have that same impression. Uh, mm. She has this ability to just craft this kind of uh, short nightmare. Um, yes. I don't know how better to put it. And I'm I'm about 60 percent into that. And they, they're all the stories are about the same length. They all um, involve, you know, a female lead ish character in some capacity. But you get like 12 stories in and it doesn't get old. It doesn't get boring. It doesn't get redundant. Um, they all have this little flair to them and they, they're all equally like shutter inducing. Yes. And that's, I don't know if you've read any of her other shorts, but um, the, her collection from twisted roots uh, is, is fantastic. And it was one of those things like I'd read, I think the festering ones maybe. And, so I like opened that. I was like, well, I'll read one of these shorts before bed. And it really, I was like, well, now I can't fucking go to bed. <laughs> like, I mean, and that doesn't really often happen to me, but I was like, God damn it. You know? So yes, she, she has an amazing capacity for that. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And I'm, I'm also reading, um, how to, how to, t- it's either how to tell or how to know if a demon has become your friend. It's by Linda Addison. Oh, nice. I, didn't, I have not heard of that one. I know who Linda is. Uh, Heard nothing but good things. Yeah, Shane recommended that one to me. It, it's um, it's uh, poetry and and very short fiction, and it's just very good. It's very there's there's just a cool mood to it. Um, so yeah, that's that's one that I recommend. I'm pretty close to being done with that. I'm slow I'm slow with poetry because mm-hmm. I feel like I need to take the time to take it in. Oh, okay, yeah, you know what? Um, the first time I read a uh, poetry collection was uh last year stephanie wadovich's uh the manic the apocalyptic mannequin yeah yeah it's really good all of them are super good uh it was just like 90 something poems and i didn't want to like skim through them all because i like you wanted to just appreciate them it's poetry you know it's not you're not supposed to speed re- i think you're not supposed to speed read it there's no <laughs> rules i know That's yeah true. maybe maybe you can. i don't know hey do whatever the fuck you want <laughs> What are you reading, Brennan? Um, I, like I mentioned, I'm reading All That's Fair. Um, I am reading, I just started the second book in Daniel Barnett's, uh, he's writing a series and, uh, it's called Nightmare Land and it's an, a post apocalyptic slash, I guess, apocalyptic series. And he's, um, he's almost, I, w- I would hesitate to say he's, he's releasing them serially because he definitely planned out you know individual short novellas and uh he has like i I think he's written seven of them already and he's planning to uh write upwards of like 12 or 13 um but they're 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 really interesting he has a a really literary writing style so it's not kind of that balls to the wall apocalypse like we're like we get with the stand or whatever 
Um, so that that's coming out uh, August 4th, and I'm definitely looking. You know, I loved the first one. I just started the second one today, and I'm looking forward to, you know, the whole series, really. Uh, and I'm also, oh, I started um, Mark Steensland, uh, his play, his his he wrote a Broadway play called The Deception of Catherine Vasque, and I started that today. And it's really cool. Uh, it's not, that's not kind of a format. I read that often, but um, I, I'll, I'm there for anything that he writes or co-writes. He's, he's awesome. He's a talent. Yeah. That's cool, man. Did uh, your sister read The Stand? I don't think so. I think that was one that she tried and was like, you know, a thousand pages. Fuck this. Um, like I said, I mean, I just I had to guarantee her that, like, you know, keep reading it. You know, it's there's a movie. Go see the movie. Um, <laughs> she didn't seem to care that The Stand movie had Gary Sinise. No love for Gary Sinise. Oh, mm. man. That's fine. He's mine anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate Gary Sinise and whatever CSI or wasn't he on like a CSI or something? CSI New York, baby. Yeah, that's definitely. right. You came up with that very quickly. Yes, I did. I watched most of them. Mac Taylor. Uh huh. I like a Gary and his name's Gary Oldman. Uh, he's he's my like one of my favorites. I also did Gary Oldman. Like my friends think it's funny. It's like I have a thing for Gary's or something. I, I don't know. But yeah, Gary Oldman's. Mm-hmm. I'm especially in Han- Hannibal he's just like whoa hunk <laughs> was he in- why can I not think of who he was in Hannibal oh I'm a oh. terrible Gary fan because he was a like a uh, oh gosh what happened to him oh fuck I was thinking about the oh Mason Berger okay I was, I was thinking about the series I was like damn was he in that not oh it. sorry the he's movie a fucking chameleon yeah yeah Oh, yeah, it looks nothing like him. I really do love Gary Oldman, though. He is uh, a chameleon, though. You know, you watch like five movies and yet you, you know, if you weren't knowledgeable, you you might not even realize you were watching the same person in all of them. No, he's, I he's know. pretty much like the modern day Vincent Price. Fuck it. I said it. He's a man of a thousand faces of our day. Um, I, I loved him in the Book of Eli. He I don't know if you guys saw that, but Denzel Washington kicks ass in that. And Gary Oldman's a great antagonist. Yeah, that was fantastic. It's hard for me not to was... root for Gary Oldman, though. So I'm just like, you know. <laughs> well, you know, we write I thought hard, that was so. definitely an underrated gem. I, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good twist. And it was one of those, one, you, you you know, I don't think I ever watched it a second time, but definitely one of those ones that you could uh, gain some appreciation for the second time around. And you felt like kind of a ding dong for not, you know, picking up on things sooner. Yeah. And you know what's funny is uh, the writer Gary, whatever the screenwriter, he um, I I asked him because I'm a fa- I'm a history fan and uh, I know quite a bit about Andrew Carnegie Carnegie and um, I'm like, did you name him Carnegie because he's like some you know it's his great great grandson or something? Is that why he's like in charge of everything? And he goes, no, but I named him that because of uh, Carnegie Hall. That um, basically he's a he's a f- Originally, I wrote him where he's one of those, um, what is it, the, not a preacher, but someone that's in one of them car- tents that uh, can revive people or whatever. An evangelist? We found <laughs> out that Patrick doesn't realize, Patrick didn't know about any sect of Christianity outside of Catholicism until like two months ago. Well, I mean, <laughs> I knew of a few. I just like didn't, I don't know, I just didn't really give a shit about. I'm messing with you, man. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, it's That's late. Pretty so good too. It's like, oh, I knew they were there. I just didn't give a fuck. Because <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, Catholicism 2020. Fuck yeah. off. It's just a bunch of people that are going to get mad at me if I don't do this or that, and I'll go to hell. So, uh, whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> he made some reference to uh, to Todd Keesling when we had him on, and I'm like, they, they don't have Catholicism in Kentucky, I don't think. <laughs> oh, there's like five of them. Yeah, throughout the whole state. Spread throughout the whole state. Yeah, I assume that, uh, even though I read the book, I assumed it was Catholicism because that's what Brendan and I are used to having shoved down our throats in Massachusetts. Yeah, if you sit through a Baptist ceremony, you'll, you will recognize a lot more of uh, what Todd put in that book. So. <laughs> so, what I'm reading right now, like you two and like you two. God damn it, nobody asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Lil. See ya. <laughs> Patrick, uh, what are you reading? I'm reading. I'm finishing up Worst Laid Plans. Um, that's uh, it's full of some really interesting stories that make you never want to leave your house. <laughs> uh, I'm reading Ghoul by Brian Keene. It's my first Keene book. I like it. He's a he's one of those readers where you're just you don't even know how you got on page you know seventy and you're like okay that was quick. Uh, I'm reading S. H. Cooper's. Um, all that's fair. I've only I just started uh, yesterday uh, today with the first one, the limping woman. And, oh my god, so creepy. So I'm gonna read the second story uh, tonight before I go to bed. I might regret that. Uh, imagine that you will. <laughs> and uh, I'm like halfway through Summer Cannon in Wesley Southard's. Um, Slaves of Gravity that is coming oh, up. Oh yeah, that so looks so summer. good. I liked it. Uh, well, like it. I'm reading it, uh, not finished reading. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a fun story. So Laurel Hightower, do you know or have you heard about Buzzbook Expo 2020? I have. Yes. Good lord, that's a fucking segue. Nice job, man. <laughs> hey, readers, book reviewers, podcasters, librarians, booksellers, and lovers of great scary stories. BuzzBook Expo 2020 is just around the corner. BuzzBook Expo is a live streaming event in which publishers will be announcing all the great new horror fiction releases they have to offer this coming year. There will be interviews, Q&As, presentations, book cover reveals, and more from all your favorite horror publishers all for free. Yes, free. Spend two days immersed in exciting book talk from publishers and authors alike. The event will take place from August 22nd to the 23rd. All information, including links to the expo, can be found at marysanji.wordpress.com slash buzzbookexpo2020. We hope to see you there. Thank you, Laurel Hightower. And before we sign out, where can people follow you? And please tell us about the podcast that you are a co-host on Twitter is probably the best place to follow me at Hightower Laurel. And, um, and I didn't fuck that up. That really is what it is. <laughs> uh, and, um, what was the other question? Oh, ink heist. Yeah. Uh, catch me on the ink heist podcast with, uh, Rich Duncan and Shane Douglas Keene, where we are varying levels of drunk and speak to guests who are also varying levels of drunk. Thank you so much for giving us your time. We appreciate it. Brennan, thank you as always for being my co-pilot because like Laurel pointed out, doing this show alone, I don't think I would enjoy it all that much. So without you, there's no us. And without us, there's no deadhead space. And without 
No dead headspace. There's no Laurel as a guest. So thank you. <laughs> You're very yes, welcome. Thank you. and, I, and I and I couldn't help but notice, you know, on the episode recently you had to do without me. You 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 just couldn't stop talking about me. Oh, is that true? I don't. I mean, I talk so much. I don't even. <laughs> no, I came up once or twice. I don't remember what I say. <laughs> it was just know. a bad mouth, me really. <laughs> I don't even know what guest that was with. Uh, I was with uh, Matt Wilderson. Oh yeah, he we, had to, we had to reschedule at the last minute. You guys should have him on Inkeist. He's such a cool guy to talk to. He's got a lot of interesting things to say. On top of that, that guy edits every show on Brian's podcast network. Like. One's enough for me. <laughs> he's got five. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he seems like he's he seems like he's together. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to a whole lot of uh, the Brian Keene stuff, but I like Matt. Yeah, and uh, he's a good writer, too. You know, enough about everyone else, Laurel. Uh, we'll be in touch, and um, we would love to have you on again. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I had a great time. No problem. And everybody, catch Crossroads, a novella by Laurel Hightower, comes out August 10th, 2020 through Off Limits Press. See you guys later. We are in your mind. We are all around. You are now leaving Deadhead Space. Hey, Laurel, have you heard of uh, the new BuzzBook Expo 2020? <laughs> In fact, I have. I have heard about it on the Brian Keene Horror Show and also on yours, but please proceed. Brennan, why don't you tell us? Still working on it. <laughs> I, I had this up last night. I don't know how the hell I lost uh, lost it. La- Laurel's definitely on the other end like, holy shit, they haven't gotten any better at this since May. She doesn't realize that it doesn't always go this uh, poorly <laughs> at the beginning. It's, All right. I mean, you guys have listened to Inkheist, right? You realize. I, I, I'm not I a professional. I the uh, Mallerman episode you guys did a few weeks ago that didn't even have an intro. My, I, I assumed that you just got him on the phone and he just started going and you didn't bother with it. Basically, yes.